Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Avi Havivi's weekly Sidur class. We'll see if we can wrap up Kaddish today uh, or not. Um, we will not have class the next two weeks. Next week is Purim. Uh, the week after I have conflict. So we'll resume the third Tuesday in March, God willing. So we're looking at Kaddish. I'm using Kaddish Shalem on page 82 in the Slim Shalom, page 158, and the following page in the Sim Shalom, but you can find it multiple places in your Sidur. We've been talking about the Kaddish for weeks, and we've been saying, just very brief review, that this, that Kaddish is a prayer that is meant to be, um, originally was probably at the end of the lesson, at the end of the services, and then it kind of spread out from there to be punctuation at the end of various points in the service. Um, when it's a more of a minor stop in the service, it's Kadi, it's uh what we call Chatzik Kaddish, which is probably the original core Kaddish. And when it's a longer, um, I'll say more not longer in times, but conceptually more significant pause in services, uh, it's a um, Kaddish Shalem, what comes to be called Kaddish Shalem, which is the core original Kaddish, plus what are obviously some lines added later that clearly are not originally integral to it. And again, we said that the point of Kaddish is the, the leader getting the congregation to praise God's name. Um, a comment that I just want to make about those additions, um, is uh, we, we say, God, you're great, you're great, you're great. You want to be great, elevated, elevated. But then we humans say, oh, kind of, and how about us? Like, you're great and elevated, but don't forget us, right? Accept our prayers. May shalom come from heaven and life for us. And that's a phrase from Job, but it becomes expanded in this line. The one who makes peace on heaven, make peace down here also, okay, so this turn in the Kaddish Shalem with the additions, it's a little bit like the Kedusha on Shabbat morning, both Shachrit and Musaf, where we start out saying we're imitating the angels, Kadosh, 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 and Baruch Hashem in Kamo, but then we say, but we need you down here, right, whether it's the long one in Shachrit, Mimkom Chamalkeinu Tofia, or the shorter one, in Musaf, we're saying, okay, it's great that God is great up there, okay, but we need stuff down here. Um, so that's kind of, I would say, the turn in those additional lines of Kaddish. Um, Larry asked a few weeks ago, I'm going to address it very briefly, the Alkol Yoshvei Tevel, which is added by some people at the end, which would mean the one who makes peace in heaven, may that one make peace for us, all Israel, and all the inhabitants of the earth. So um, that originated in one of the more liberal Jewish movements. I honestly haven't researched it, so I don't know if it's reform or reconstructionist. I don't know what year it first appeared. Um, there are some people who daven in conservative shuls who have been saying that for some years. And then finally, I believe it appeared in brackets in the Lev Shalem. Um, 
Uh, I don't know if it was the, in the High Holidays one or the Shabbos one. There, by the way, I believe there is going to be a weekday Lev Shalem someday. Someone's working on that. So that's an addition. Um, that's in brackets, which some people add. Um, we should that we're praying not only for peace for the Jews, but for the whole world. Larry, does that answer your question? That wasn't my question. That answers my question about uh, Al Yes, does that answer your question about Al Koyoshvetevel? Right. Can okay. I just remind you, you you were you didn't finish with the Chirute. I know. Oh, I know that we're gonna. That's oh. the, that's the heart of the lessons, the heart of class. I'm just trying to get rid of the little stuff first. All right. You also asked about choreography. I already said the Chazan shouldn't wait for the people to say Amen. The Chazan is saying Ve'imru Amen. Hey, you all, say Amen. So either the Amen, either the Kahal says Amen with the Chazan, or the Kahal says Amen right after the Chazan, because they were just commanded to, but the Chazan doesn't wait. The Chazan doesn't say, and say ye, right? Then they jump in and say Amen, and the Chazan repeats Amen. That wouldn't really make sense. Same thing with Kud Shabrichu. The Chazan is saying Kud Shabrichu, the Holy One, blessed be his name. We hear the Holy One. We jump in and say Brichu, okay? either simultaneously or a second later because we couldn't do it fast enough. Um, final piece of choreography, stepping and bowing. That is a minhag. Um, it probably originated with the Amida and migrated over to Kaddish. That would be my guess, rather than the other way around. So we take three steps back before Oseh Shalom. And again, Everything with steps and bowing, it's all minhag, so custom. So if you have a different minhag that you grew up with in your synagogue from your rabbi and you do it differently, then, you know, ask your local rabbi. The minhag, the dominant minhag with which I am familiar is you take three steps back before Oseh Shalom left, right, left, starting with the left. You're reluctant to leave. You leave with the left. When you go forward, you're reluctant to go. You leave with the right. That's the general principle. So left, right, left, before Oseh Shalom So then you, with Oseh Shalom you bow to the left. Usually you bow to the left first, because that is the right of the Shechina, God's presence. You bow to God's right side, metaphorically speaking. So Oseh Shalom Bimromav, the left. Huya Shalom Aleinu, to the right. Valkol Yisrael, in the center. And I guess you stand up for Ve'in Ruamein. Never thought about that. Avi, what about... I put, I'll call you Shreve, I'll call you Shreve Tevel, Ve'in Ruamein. Yes, Larry? What about whether the Shmir Sibur should wait until he repeats Yeheshmeh? Okay, uh, there are different Min Hagim. Um, I'll, I'll just answer and say there are different Min Hagim. Right. So you, we sing it with the Chazan or the Chazan repeats it. But for sure, the Chazan says Yitbarach only once because it's printed only once. And again, I said there's a minhag that some congregants say Yitbarach. Yitbarach. And there are various reasons for that having to do with the number of the letters or the number of the words. And that's why in the Hoicha Kaddish, the fancy one that we think Shabbat morning, the melody is Yitbarach because that Mel- that melody is based on the minhag to attach that the the congregation <laughs> attaches the word yitbarach 
to Yehoshim Rabbah. It's a minhag. It's a custom. One last quick question. Am uh-huh. I wrong to be, am I wrong to be annoyed when the Shliach Tzibor or anybody says the Kaddish, why they're moving around with their feet and having their feet apart and all sorts of other things? You, you, uh, you have my permission to be annoyed. Okay. Uh-huh. Most of just stand still. Right. With your feet together or not? Uh, I always do. Most chazanim that I know do. I'd have to hunt up the source on that. I'm sure the source is not, I'm sure the practice is not as rigid as for the Amidah, where it's very explicit in the halacha. So, I mean, the answer is yes, that's the custom. And I guess you should do that. And, but I haven't hunted up the source. Is that universal halacha? Is it minhag? Who says that? I actually don't know the answer. Sorry. Okay. Terry, we're, we're doing the nickel and dime stuff here before we get to the big stuff. Go on, Terry. Oh, uh, going back to Al Kol Tevel. Yeah. How common is, is it your impression that that is used and how appropriate, both if you're the Shaliyah Sibur and also if you're saying the Kaddish out loud, and you want to add that. What How common is it where? How common is add it? it? How common oh, is it where? Ah. In the state of Indiana? In reform schools in the state of Indiana? I mean, in I don't conservative, know. In conservative okay. schools. Okay, so now it's in, as I said, now it's in brackets. It, it appeared in brackets okay. in the Lev Shalem, which I don't have in front of me. But I believe it's in brackets. How many people say, yes, I've seen it in brackets in the Leif Shalem? Raise your hand. I haven't seen it in brackets. Okay. Alan has seen it in brackets. That means it's true. I, I, I know I've seen it in brackets. So I guess it's in the Leif Shalem. It's, we, we don't have the benefit of that in Morning Minion because we don't have a weekday Lev Shalem yet. As I said, that is coming. And so we have an older edition. It's still a newish edition, but it's older in which Valko Yoshevetevel has not yet migrated over from reform and reconstruction to the conservative movement in the weekday Sidur. But I assume if it's in the, the Lev Shalem, I assume it's going to be in the weekday Lev Shalem. I assume it'll be in brackets. So it's, not, it's not in this one. Correct. I, I, I got it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. It's okay. in the Lev Shalem. It's in the new Machzor and the new Shabbat Sidur. Not we it. don't have a Lev, weekday Lev Shalem yet. Okay. I'm okay. assuming since it's in the other Lev Shalems, it's going to be in the weekday Lev Shalem. I'm assuming it'll be brackets to not force it upon people, whether they're chazans or congregations who say, hey, 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 this isn't part of the Kaddish. Someone just added this and I don't want to add it. And that's not the Kaddish that I grew up with. Sure. So I assume it's going to be in brackets. Um, and because it's not in any weekday conservative sidur yet as far as i know um maybe it's in the israeli one i have to take a look at the israeli one i don't know you know people in general are not saying it um but people may start to say it once it's in brackets you know people have a cow um whether legitimately or not i'm not commenting on whether it's legitimately or not People have a cow when chazans vary from the words printed in the sidur, right? There are people who feel like the chazan should say the words that are printed in the sidur, you know, and I don't care if the chazan is Sephardi, they shouldn't say v'yatzmach, v'karev, mishichay, 
in the Kaddish because it's not in our Siddur. And you just confuse me when you say words that are not in the printed Siddur. Okay, so there's some people who get bent out of shape about I'll call Yoshevei Tevel because it's not printed. And presumably once it's printed and in brackets, they won't get bent out of shape about it. But um, so far, it's in the Lev Shalem, the new Machzor and Shabbos one, but not in the weekday one. Michael. I would advocate never saying it in a mourner's cottage because uh, many people will not say it. And we have enough difficulty keeping people somewhat together when they're reciting Mourner's Kaddish as it is. If we have two different versions being said at once, it'll be a total balagan. The Gaba, our chief Gabai has Gabai consciousness and this imbues, this influences his opinion. Got it. Understood. Um, okay. Any other questions about smaller things before we go back to Kirute, Kirute, and what does the Kaddish mean for mourners? which is what I want to get to. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm not going to review. I will review the Hebrew in one sentence, because if you get it, you get it. And if you don't get it, you don't need to get it. Don't worry about that. Okay. So it's either Kirute or Kirute based on is Divara attached to it or not. If it's attached to it, what you're saying is Yitkadal Vikadash Meirabah, comma, that means, may God's great name be praised, comma, in the world that he, sorry for gendering it, um, we'll say God, but it doesn't say God there, it says he, in the world that he created according to his will, comma, and may he reign, may long may he reign forever and ever. Okay? If there's a dot in the kaf, if it's kirute, there's a comma before it. And then it's yitkadalvikadashme rabah, comma, be'alma divara, comma, kirute, comma, be'amlich machute v'chaychon v'yamechon. That would mean, may God's great name be praised, comma, in the world that he created, comma, according to his will, comma, and may he reign forever and ever. Okay? The second way with the dot in the kirute, if you are careful about, you know, what modifies what and what commas do in English, what that means is it is God's will that God's name be praised. God's ratzon, reute is rit, uh, Aramaic translation for ritzono, it is God's will that God's names be, God's name be praised. So as far as I know, if you put a dot in the kaf, you are saying it's God's will that God's name be praised. We are doing this thing, praising God's will. I'm telling you, I, the Chazan, I'm telling you to, to praise God, okay? And I'm telling you to do this because, there's an implied because, because it's God's will that you should praise God, praise God's name. That's with the dot in the kaf. Without the dot in the kaf, and again, you'll see this different in different sidurim, okay? Um, it means... May God's name be praised in the world that God created according to God's will. And may God reign forever. So God's will there modifies the world created according to God's will. So the difference in those two versions, I'm going to say it again, and now I'm going to summarize it. Balmati Rachirute means we praise God's name in the world that God created according to God's will. With a dot in the kaf, it means we praise God's name 
And it is God's will that we praise God's name. What God wills differs if there's a dot in the cough or not. I'm going to say that sentence one more time, one last time, and then we'll talk about kind of the difference conceptually. So, means we're saying we praise God's name in the God which God created, in the world which God created the way God wanted to. I'm putting it in simpler English than will, right? In the world, that's the way God wanted it to be. With a cough, with a hard cough, with a dot, it's we praise God's name because that's what God wants us to do. So I'm changing will to a simple English word, want. So the difference between we praise God's name and uh, uh, in the world that's created the God that God wanted to versus we praise God's name because God wants us to praise God's name. That's the conceptual difference. Okay. Now on now I'll pause and I'll say, how does that conceptual difference resonate? differently for you. Barbara, you have a hand up. Yes. Uh, in our prayer book, it reads, you know, that he created it as is God's wish, but it doesn't say, and, and the prayer book has the dot and the kirite. I would just say that particular then, uh, to me, that is a little confused. Okay. To me, yeah, that's, that's, that's so curious. What you so mean. I have one version without it in the sim that has no dot and it says the world of his own creation. Okay. Which is a fancy poetic version of created the world the way he wanted it. And then in the slim, uh, the slim is consistent. The slim has a comma. It has Kirute and it says, as is God's wish. May God's name be exalted how throughout the world that he created comma as is God's wish. So which right. stage word do you have? You must have a third one. I have the one that says, as is God's wishes. No, no, no. Hold up the cover. Okay. Right. Uh, but it has a dot in the cough. Right. So okay. it's be different than what you just said. Nope. Nope. That's what I just said. May God's name be exalted and hallowed throughout the world that he created, comma, as is God's wish, which means it is God's wish that God's name be hallowed and exalted. Okay, I misunderstood it. Okay, Okay. that's what God wants. God wants us to praise God's name. Okay, versus God created the world the way God wanted it. Okay, Larry, I don't want another, I don't want another question. I want an answer to my question. A thought about my question. What resonates differently about those two things? By the way, that, I hope it's clear, that makes the line, it's totally different in terms of what it means. Is it God's will? That we praise God's name. That's one interpretation. Or, you know what? We praise God's name. The world is the way God wants it to be. The, the way God willed it. Sorry. Larry. I'm going to answer your question in a second. I checked nine sudurim on my shelf, and they're all without the dot, with the exception of the my Sim Shalom, Slim Shalom, uh, and Slim Shalom for Shabbat, and Lev Shalom. But other nine sidurim, including Koran and, and um, there are and other art scroll. I'm just telling you, you look in the sources, there's debate about whether there's a dot or I not. Be, so it's, I'm just I telling you, it's not something that was invented by the conservative movement. Okay. Right. But, but, and the, the Aniva Tefilati is the only one that I, uh, uh, that I have, um, okay. Now I, I am telling, okay. trust me, I am, I believe you. I believe you. There are different minhagim. 
Okay. So it Let's resonates. So it resonates. It resonates yeah. with me. Yeah. And you'll forgive me that if you put in the dot, you're basically saying God is a egotistical narcissist. I don't want my God to demand that. I want that to come from us, not mm-hmm. from God. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the other way, without no, the other the other way is He created the He created. It was His intention to create the world with all of its goodness and even with its imperfections. Okay. That was God's intention. Okay. And he gave us the challenge to live in this world and to do good in this world. Okay. All right. Other thoughts. Thank you, Larry, for jumping in first. Other thoughts about that this question. So I'm going to take it a step further, take it back to mourners being given a Kaddish to say, right? And remember, this isn't the mourner's Kaddish. Originally, there's no such thing as the mourner's Kaddish. Historically, it's just, we're going to give the mourner a Kaddish to say from the 12th century to give them an opportunity to get the congregation to praise God's name because the mourner in doing this mitzvah to get the congregation to do a mitzvah of praising God's name. Originally, in medieval thought, the mourner is accruing another mitzvah point to add to the bank account of the person in their heart and thoughts, the person who has died, their loved one who has died, who is in purgatory and thus cannot accrue mitzvah points for themselves, okay, anymore to help them get to heaven. So I am accruing mitzvah points for my loved one who's gone. That's the original medieval explanation, okay? I'm guessing that most people who come say Mourner's Scottish nowadays aren't thinking that exactly. They may be thinking some version of that, or they're thinking something entirely different. But if you're a mourner, saying mourner's Kaddish, how does that difference resonate differently? Those of us who have been mourners, which is most of us at one point or another. Any thoughts on that? You're the mourner, saying mourner's Kaddish. Verit, unmute, please. If I, I accept the idea that there is a dot, I guess, in that letter half, then I understand that this was God's will for the tragedy that happened to me or to other people. Okay. It was his will that something like this will happen. And I want to move just one step forward. When we say, Hamakom Yenachem, the verb that we use is in future tense. Okay. Because we're saying that in this place, even God cannot comfort us, me, mm-hmm. you, but maybe in the future we will find some comfort momentarily where we are now at this yeah. place. Yeah. There we cannot be comforted. Okay. So I'm praising something that um is difficult for me to praise. Yes. And I'm saying it because this is the minhag, perhaps, but it takes a lot of me to agree to the words that I'm saying. Yeah. Because I don't I don't agree with those words at, yes. at this time. Yes. Thank you. I just want to widen 
a, a I just want to make a theological distinction that you're you're not making. I just want to widen a theological distinction, if I may, Vered. So you're saying, um, if I'm saying back to Kirute Kirute, I'm saying if you're saying the world of God created according to God's will. By the way, I'm going to make the distinction between what, uh, how Vered understood it and how Larry understood it. Okay. So Vered's understanding was in a very specific way that this tragedy is a part of God's will, which I have a hard time saying. So I'm, I'm reframing you. I hope I'm not getting it wrong. Larry is saying, I understood Larry to say, although I wasn't asking Larry about mourners in specific, right? But Larry was saying, when I say the world is created according to God's will, that means God created the world with all of the good and the bad in it, okay? Which doesn't necessarily imply that God willed this specific tragedy, if I, if I may put it sharply. God did not necessarily will that this person would be at crossing this street corner when the drunk driver ran the red light. God did not, I think that the, the, the very profound theological problem that people have wrestled with for, uh, as far as we know, at least 4,000 years, going back to Mesopotamian sources, and that Jews have been wrestling with for Two and a half thousand years, going back to the question of Job, right, is why do bad things happen that seem unjust or unfair? Um, I guess the answer in Job is God runs the world and don't try to understand it. Some version of that. We can, a lot of people have written lots of books about what, what God's answer in Job actually means, right? Um, but some people, would say in a concrete way, okay, that's part of God's plan, and you don't understand, we humans, we puny humans, don't necessarily understand God's plan. But that's God's will. Okay? That's different than it is God's will that there are humans who make cars and red lights and who decide to drink it's not necessarily God's will that that person was crossing the street when that drunk driver ran the red light. That is a specific outcome of a general plan. Everyone follow that distinction that I'm making, right? Uh, uh, we could talk about this endlessly because many books have been written about it, right? Start. You can start with, you know, Kushner is when bad things happen to good people, right? Or you can start with Job. Or you can start with Kushner's when bad things happen to good people, right? You can start at either end, right? The modern or the ancient, right? So, but is it a question of, okay, this is an outcome of how certain things work in the world. And yeah, God created the world to work that way. That doesn't necessarily mean that God planned a specific outcome on a specific day, right? That's kind of the more God plans in God's plan. God's will in a more general way. You can also say, you know, God created the world that has humans and it also has, you know, bacteria and also has viruses and also has all kinds of things. And sometimes there are bad outcomes 
that are extremely tragic and painful to us. But God didn't plan that specific outcome or intend that specific outcome. Versus a view that, yes, God makes the decision about that specific outcome. They're two different views. So I just want to point out, I just want to widen the wedge in there that even understanding Divrachirute, God made it according to his will, there are different ways of understanding that. You can understand it to mean this specific tragedy was God's will versus it is God's will that the world is the way it is, as Larry said, with all the good and the bad, which could mean with the humans and the bacteria and the humans creating cars and the humans distilling alcohol and the humans making decisions about, about whether or not to drink before they drive, right? But God doesn't decide on specific outcomes. Does everyone, does anyone have a question about that distinction? I just want to make sure the distinction is clear. Vered? Do you, do you under, I, 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 I want to. Yeah, it's okay. just that. So, so I just want to say, Divrahi Rute, to comment directly under comment, you are, you are jumping to an interpretation that that means that, um, a, this tragedy is God's will. Okay. And cause this is like, you know, we on the Zoom know what the tragedy is, but sort of, you know, this is a podcast, so publicly I don't want to say that or call anybody out. But you're jumping to it that it means this tragedy is God's will, and it might not mean that, right? Uh, I always, I always want to um, challenge people who say this is what it means, and I disagree with it, right? As opposed to saying, oh, if you disagree with it, why, why are you committed to that's what it means? Maybe it might mean something else. So maybe it might mean. I'm throwing my hands in the air for those who don't have the visual who are listening to the podcast. New, what can we do? The way the world is that there are cars and drunk drivers, the way it is, this is and 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 random chance. Okay. This is part of the world that God created. And we accept that all these things are the, are part of the world that God created. Doesn't mean we accept, doesn't mean we believe that God dictated this specific event or outcome for person i'm speaking very personally for me that's a very important distinction okay for me personally that's a very important distinction that we believe in some way what does that mean that god i'm going to put it in air quotes god created the world you can have i I think we're going to morph into a theology class maybe in march okay so what does that mean what does that mean what do you mean by uh, what do you mean by god what do you mean by created you know so that a lot of people have thought about what that means. Some people understand that concretely, literally. Some people understand that much more abstractly, right? Abstractly, scientifically, mystically. Um, but so you can understand God created the world the way God wanted. You can understand God and create in a variety of ways. But there's still a difference between God determines specific outcomes versus God sets things up in general a particular way, which includes illness and death, right? The parts of life that we don't like, that we have a lot of trouble with. Um, and the more not typical and unfair it seems, the more we have trouble with it, right? When Someone who's 95, dies at 95 and they lived a really full life, 
most people will say like, no, Mela, what are you going to do? Right. But when people die young and suffer, we're, we're all less likely to say that. Okay. Some people do say it was God's will and we don't understand it. Right. The Talmud has all kinds of things. Well, they'll get their payback in the world to come, you know, and other people say, no, no, no. I don't believe that God decides on specific outcomes like that. I believe that the world runs in general. Okay. But that doesn't mean that God decided to say, poof, you're going to die tomorrow. God forbid. Everyone follow that distinction. I think it's a very important theological distinction. Is God's plan general or is God's plan very specific and concrete? And I understand that people have all kinds of beliefs about this. Okay. And different people will believe different things. Barbara, then Michael. And then we'll try to wrap up. Barbara, unmute. Your hand is up. She, her internet just went down. She accidentally deleted herself. Michael. Um, looking at Kaddish from the standpoint of mourners Kaddish. Yes. It's my understanding that the reason that mourners are asked to say Kaddish is because we, we can expect that at that point in their life, after suffering a loss, they're going to be, among other things, bitter, perhaps bitter at God, blaming yes. God. Not in, and, and so we are in a sense forcing them to reaffirm God by saying, by magnifying and sanctifying God's name. And so if we read the Kaddish, uh, so that it, it says that we're doing this because God wants us to do this, that gives the rest of the community the, uh, the basis for saying you have to say this now. Because this is something that we're told that God has command, essentially commanded us to do. Right. Uh, uh, yes. And or, but Verit is saying, but I have trouble being commanded to do that. I'm, I'm not making that's it. That's why, that's the reason for having to be commanded. That's why I have to be commanded. Because if it was easy to do, you wouldn't be commanded. It wouldn't be a, right, people feel an obligation to do it. If it would be a natural thing to do, we wouldn't say it's an obligation. By the way, for me... Just so you know, that for me, this is personal, the nuance isn't about the name. It's actually about right? So the nuance is about affirming the world, right? The world is an expression. I mean, sorry, we're getting into deeper things and we don't have time. And I don't want to do the world according to me, you know, right? Theology 101 according to Avi, right? But for me, like the world is an expression of God. Right. We're affirming the world. That's just another way of saying we're we're affirming God's name to me that I don't know that those two things mean anything different. Right. So I don't disagree with you, Michael. I, I, I sort of agree with you. I just have a slightly different nuance, which is the mourner who at that moment may be angry at God, may hate the world, may hate life, may just want to stay in bed. OK, forever. Is a, is pushed to get up and say, we affirm the world, or at least I'm going to, I'm going to push deeper and more, a little deeper into it psychologically. I'm getting up here, you know, which sort of means you sing the words, even though you don't believe the words. Okay. I'm getting up here because I was told to get up here and command you people to affirm the world, 
as it is. I don't know that I really believe those words at this moment, right? But I'm not, I know I'm supposed to get up here and tell you people to affirm the world. And we say, yeah, God's name is great for and ever and ever. And, and in, in my mind, Almadi Rachute isn't all that different from Yeheshme Rabbah. Okay. Because the, uh, for me, the world is an expression of God, is an emanation of God. I'm, I'm more Kabbalistic than Maimonidean in that respect. Okay. Um, Vered? Yes. What do you think? Uh, I don't know yet how okay. to. Okay. It's a fair, always a fair, always a fair answer. Go on. Go ahead. Um, I think that standing there and using those eight superlative. Yes. In a, in a time of an extreme pain. Yes. It is very difficult. Yes. No matter, you know, how I understand it. Yeah. You know, logically at yeah. the, at the time, you're not thinking logically. Of course. You're, you're thinking, letting your emotion, you know, uh, dictate you yes. how you feel at that time. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm very thankful to you that we were discussing the, the history of how that came to be. Um, cause I always, I remember learning that it is actually a prayer that people would say when they finish reading a, a chapter, a masechet, yeah. just praising God. Yeah. For, for Finish, that. They're finishing some lesson. That is correct. That's exactly. Right. Right. And, and that is a, a good place, you know, to say, it. Right. but to stand, you know, and to say it publicly that, and to, to say the words, especially if you understand what you are saying, right. some people are just burned, you know, right. going through it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you say this word or the other, but to come and to say it, I, I understand, you know, how you try to put the comma here and, you know, tell me I, I understand this grammar thing very well. Yes. And the way you can understand the meaning, uh, is it God or is it the world or how do you read it? But nevertheless, it's it's difficult to say it then. Unda- yes, by the way, and undoubtedly, if someone said, I'm going to write a prayer for mourners to say, Right. To help them through their process. Like if that were the task from the beginning, I, I'm doubtful that someone would say, okay, I'm going to write a prayer that will, where they'll have to say eight synonyms for how great God's name is. I'm guessing that that, you know, although I could be wrong, that, that might have been what someone would have written a thousand years ago. They, they have different, you know, they suffered too emotionally, but they might have had different theological consciousness than us. But the reason I'm doing this is because this is, uh, if I can just like say it grossly, a square peg in a round hole, right? The problem is, or the challenge is, we have a prayer that wasn't written for mourners, that someone decided about a thousand years ago, a mourner should say for a particular reason. And that's a reason that may not really resonate with a lot of us anymore. Okay, but we are um, 
I was going to say stuck with this custom and then I have to regret saying that, but I was, I'll be candid about what I was going to say. This is our fairly universal practice, meaning I don't know of living Jewish communities who say, well, we don't say Kaddish for the mourners. We give them this other prayer to say, right? We made up a new prayer for mourners to say. They don't say the Kaddish. As far as I know, this is kind of the universal Jewish practice in mourning. And so um, I am, I, as an individual, I'm trying to say, okay, Given that we have a square peg in a round hole, what's the best way we can fit that emotionally, psychologically, given how traumatized the person is, how much pain they're in, and what the words actually mean? Okay, so my way of doing that is to say, oh, it's not because God wants to be praised. It's because I'm getting up and I'm saying, Mela, this is the world that God made. Right. So we're then asking the mourner who might not feel like being in the world. okay, metaphorically or literally. Right. Or concretely out in public. We're asking the mourner. We're saying to the mourner, you need to get up and you need to tell us to affirm the world. We are doing something that the mourner does not feel like doing. And. Yeah, personally, Vera, it's like, oh, the eight synonyms, that doesn't trouble me, but I could understand how it troubles you. Yes, it's troubling. And, you know, for prayer in general, we all, you know, mm-hmm. the door is pretty big. So we all, I'd say all of us, we, we like the words we like and we don't like the words we don't like, you know. And when you're the chazen, you don't necessarily get to choose the words you like and the words you don't like. But there are certain things that mean something to you and certain things that mean something else to you. We're running over. We're running over. It's tough. I'm going to ask everyone to speak leanly. Bernie, Terry, Larry. Yeah, I have a, a quick comment. You know, the, the words you mentioned at the beginning, Tebel, uh, one of the rabbinical students was saying. Pause. Kaddish, pause. Yeah, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Bernie. Go ahead. Yeah. Was saying that for Shloshim, he stayed the whole 30 days for his grandmother. And one of the more yeshiva trained members of the minion were critical of him, he told me. I don't understand. Um, that you know, but I, I, it's interesting. What you see implied that it's sort of optional and it's it's not you know concrete. You know, I'll call you Shvei Tevel. Okay, I'm gonna <clears throat> yeah. okay, I'm gonna let that stand. Terry, uh, I sorry, I have a class at nine. Very. So I want to thank you. I'm sorry. I apologize. I have to leave. You're welcome. Okay, thanks for participating and sharing and being open, Terry. Terry, Larry, and then we got to wrap up. Avi, early in COVID, when things went online, one of the kind of contention points for many people was that decision in synagogues whether um, people would be able to say Kaddish Yatom online. Yes. And there was also the alternative prayer. Yeah, there is a, there is an alternative prayer, Bimkom Kaddish. It's not well known, but there are, you know, if you're supposed to say Kaddish and you don't have a minion, what do you say? There is an alternative prayer. Can we at some point perhaps mm, consider that? Sure, a bit? sure. Okay. we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. Larry. Great class. And you kind of said at the end what I was going to say, which is, isn't this true of all prayer? And basically, it seems to me that the world is divided between three groups of people. Those who say, OK, I'm going to believe exactly what I'm saying here. Those who say, I can't believe it, so I'm not going to say it. And the rest of us who in some level constantly wrestle with, 
the clash between what we're saying and how we interpret it and what it, what we think it means. Okay. It's part of prayer. Okay. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.